0: Turn to Second Chronicles. We're going to go 17 and 18 tonight. We're going to look at King Jehoshaphat. A couple of weeks ago, when we uh, left off, we were looking at his father, King Asa, and now he started off as a uh, a good king doing things of God. But we have seen towards the end that he kind of had a decline and. Uh, He kind of didn't want to turn to God again. He had an issue with his foot and wouldn't seek God. He wanted to go seek a physician instead, which we should seek doctors, but let's seek God first in those things. Um, We had a prophet that came to him, uh, prophesied what was going on. He didn't want to hear it, put him in jail, and he was not going to follow God towards the end, and he didn't end very well. But we start here with Jehoshaphat in verse 1. And it says then Jehoshaphat, his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim with Asa, which Asa, his father, had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals. So, we see Jehoshaphat here continuing on with the cities that his father had secured, fortifying the nation militarily, fortifying the nation, making them strong against those who are on the outside. But it also speaks in verse 3 that he was following and walking in the former ways of his father David and also in the former ways of Asa, his his father, his actual father, because he was, they were following the Lord, especially early on in their... In their reign, they were following God. They had a heart that was after God. And so we see that here, and it says that they followed the, the, the beginning of their, their walk. They, he followed how they were walking in the beginning. And I think we often can take, he would take probably the good of what he's seen and heard about his father, uh, father or grandfather David. He would take the good that he would hear and had seen from Asa, and he would incorporate that into his own walk with Christ. And I think we do that sometimes. We will, we'll see someone who is a, a godly man or woman, and we can, we can glean from them certain, certain attributes that they have, and we can put that into our own lives and our own walks. And we can kind of take those things that might not be consistent in their lives and learn from it, to not do those things and not to put them in our lives. And I think Jehoshaphat did that here, kind of studying his forefathers and, and their walks that they had, and he kind of incorporated that Uh, into his life and took the good things that he could and learned what he could from his forefathers. And in verse four it goes on and says, But he sought the God, because remember he wasn't seeking after the Baals or the idols, but he sought the God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel, which we know had went into worshiping the golden calves and other idolatries. It says therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave Uh, presence to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor and abundance, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Remember, Asa was doing the same thing, removing the high places and all these images that were set up in the different towns throughout Judah, getting rid of the idolatry uh, that was running rampant at the time. And it says here, and it was God who, who was with him who established the kingdom. It wasn't Jehoshaphat who was establishing the kingdom; God was establishing the kingdom, just like He'll establish our lives. Jehoshaphat was walking in His ways, and God was honoring that, and He was honoring honoring it by establishing His kingdom and establishing Judah underneath underneath Him, which is a good thing. And it also says that the the people gave presents in, in to Jehoshaphat; they were happy to be able to so-called pay their taxes, what have you, to the king, and because they were content with the way the king was running the nation. He was running the nation well. God was making sure this was being done. So the people that were underneath him did not have a problem with giving to their government, per se, to be able to take care of issues there in Judah. So it was a good thing. In verse 6 it says, And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. I look at that, and in his, in his meaning that he had a lively, affectionate love for God. He was very affectionate, enthusiastic towards God. And I, and I ask, are we that way towards God? Do we have a lively enthusiasm about God, or is it just kind of another thing that we just kind of put in our collections of things we do? And, and I would, I would, I would stress that we should have a enthusiastic affection for God. We should always want to love God and be excited to speak about God on witnessing to people. Like we were praying earlier, getting those opportunities to speak about our God at work or to our family members. Whenever we do, do that, those people should be able to see that excitement and enthusiasm in us when we're going to speak about God. And we see here that Jehoshaphat had that. His heart took delight in the Lord. It was something that was exciting to him, and we should be the same. In verse 7 through 9, it says, Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, Ben-Hel, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanael, and Micaiah, to teach the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, Shemiah, uh Nethaniah, Zebediah, uh, Asahel, Samarimoth, uh, Jonathan, Adonijah, Abijah and Tobadnaja, the Levites, and with them Elishama and Jeroram, the priest. So they taught in Judah and had a book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Now I was listening to the State of the Union address last night, and one thing uh, that our president spoke of was that pastors should have the freedom from the pulpit to be able to talk that prayer should be back in schools and that these things should be throughout our land. We should have the rights to do that. And that was very encouraging to hear that. And we're looking at, and I'm not comparing Trump and Jehoshaphat at all, but we look at Jehoshaphat as he's going to send these priests and send these leaders out to the nation of Judah with the book of the law to teach them the words of God. That's what he's doing here. He's making it a top priority. Not only have we seen him earlier strengthen himself against Israel, so making military strength, but now we're going to see him start to strengthen his people spiritually by sending these leaders out and these Levites and these priests out to preach the Word of God and to teach them the importance of knowing the Word of God. You know, I was talking with uh, my daughter, say, last night, and I had read an article about Taylor Swift, how she is a follower, like she supports the the LGBT community, and she's uh, pro-choice and all these things. And a lot of these younger girls look up to this, this, this uh, singer or what have you, and they'll, they'll listen to what they have to say. And we were talking about that, and I'm like, you know why a lot of these young the youth want to listen to her? Because they don't know what the Word of God says. And I I was explaining to her, we read the Bible at home because I want you all to understand what the Word says. That way when time does come to where a friend or a celebrity you look up to tells you to go a certain way which is sinful, you'll know what the Word says and you'll be able to stand on it and and come against it. And, And that's what he's doing here. He's teaching Judah the Word of God so that they can stand on that Word and stand on the promises that God had made to them. <clears throat> the importance of teaching, uh, teaching of our holy God's word is, is equally one of the most important concerns we should have. Here in the church, we get taught the word. We should teach the word at our own homes to our families, men, ladies, to our children, we should be teaching them. Even people we work with, when those opportunities come up, we need to spread the word to them and why, we should, why the Word should be taught. I have a couple points. i got four of them, as a matter of fact. One of the points is that the, it, to point out the importance of how great God's Word is. That's why we should study it. That's why we should learn it. It is truly alive and can change us. For us who have been born again, and we're children of God, we know this Word can change us. We've seen in our own lives the change uh, from when we first got saved to now, we can see that this word has made a difference in our lives. And we want to share that with others, showing those who are, or who are in sin around us that, hey, if you want to, your life can be changed by this word. And we need to share that with them. So it shows us how great God's word is. Point two, it points out the greatness of our holy Lord, Savior, our master, our king. It tells how great of a redeemer he is. Of, of all of his, God's redemptive history from, from Genesis to Revelation on what his plan was to save the lost. And it, and it gives hope to those who are lost. It also encourages those who are seeking God that they gain all that they need to gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in praying and seeking him through his word. All the understanding and knowledge and wisdom you need is right here in the word. This is living and breathing and Jehoshaphat knew that this was, was the deal, and he wanted to spread that out to the people of Judah. And number four, we need to know that we, that we can share this good news with others. We have a hurting world. We, just by watching the TV last night, we have a hurting world. People who are lost and believe in a lie. And, they, and a lot of them, they, they've already taken the bait, hook, line, and sinker already, but they still need us to go out and preach the word They need to hear what hope this word can bring to us. Amen? So, not only did he strengthen his kingdom militarily, he also did it spiritually and got them back on track with God. In verse 10 it says, And the fear of the Lord fell on the kingdoms of the lands lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver and tribute and the Arabians brought him flocks of 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So here we have these enemies of Israel all of a sudden are at peace with Jehoshaphat. And Why is that? Because the Lord made them to have peace with Judah. In Proverbs 16 7 it says, When a man says, please uh, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. We see the Philistines paying tribute to Judah. That's unheard of. The Philistines is the arch enemy of Israel. This is has been years and years, but here they don't they don't want war with them. They want peace with them, and that's because Jehoshaphat, their leader, was following the Lord. He was teaching his people the word of God, and his and his people were listening. And there was peace in the land. And the same with us. We, 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 we know we have enemies in our own life, rivals we have, and we can live at peace with them too by following the Lord, and the Lord will bring that peace. In verse 12 it says, So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful, and he built fortresses and stored cities in Judah. He made much property in the cities of Judah, and men of war, uh, of war mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. These are the numbers according to their father's houses of Judah, the captains of thousands. Adonah the captain, and with him 300,000 mighty men of valor. And next to him was uh, Johananan the captain, and with him 280,000. And next to him was uh, Amashah the son of Zikrai, who willingly uh, offered himself to the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men of valor of Benjamin, Eli Adah, a mighty man of valor, and with him 200,000 men armed with bow and shield. And next to him was uh, Jehoshabab, and with him 180,000 prepared for war. These, uh, These served the king beside those the king put in the fortified cities throughout all of Judah. So we see that it's not surprising that both militarily and economically he was doing well in Judah. We had the people willingly wanting to give presents and give money to the government. We had his own enemies giving tribute. And they were thriving under Jehoshaphat because he went to the will of God. He, he surrendered to God and walked in his ways, walking in the ways that David walked, walking in the ways of Asa walk earlier in their reign, and God was blessing that. And he had a live and affectionate heart towards God. So God was blessing Jehoshaphat because his walk was solid and secure. Now we're going to go into 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And we're going to see something funny. We see Jehoshaphat walking right with the Lord. And then in verse 1 it says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance, which we just talked about because he was walking with the Lord, and the Lord was blessing that. And then it says, and by marriage he allied himself with Ahab. Now remember, Ahab was one of the most evil kings in Israel's history, married to Jezebel. Why would this king, who was really one of the better kings in Judah, put himself and ally himself with Ahab? Well, one reason his son ended up getting married to the daughter of Ahab. So I don't even know why he allowed that, but we see Jehoshaphat, who was doing well in Judah, end up coming together and becoming an ally with Ahab. Some say, some commentaries would say that he was trying to maybe unite the kingdom again, to bring both Judah and Israel back under one rule. But This is kind of, to me, with him walking the way he was walking with the Lord, this should have never happened. He should have never been allied with Ahab. And in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul speaks, he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, but what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? That's what we're seeing here. We're having someone who's walking righteously with the Lord, and we have someone who is lawless in Ahab. And while communion has light with darkness, In our relationships with people, we do need to be careful on who we entertain. Not saying that we don't talk to those who are non-believers. We need to because we need to be a witness to them. But how strong is that relationship with them? We shouldn't shouldn't get too deeply involved with them because we don't want to be pulled into their lifestyles as well. So we have to be very careful with that. In verse 2, it says... After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. Funny that the northern kingdom of Israel were attacking Judah quite a bit since the split. Now all of a sudden he's wanting to throw a barbecue and come on over to our house. We can talk about a few things. Hey, you know, your son's married to my daughter. We're going we're gonna to be all right. We're going to come together. And I guarantee you that Ahab's influence was not going to be good on Jehoshaphat at all. And you can see even going into verse 3 where he says, I am as you are. This is Jehoshaphat speaking. I am as you are, and my people are as your people. Hold up, Jehoshaphat. You're not like Ahab. Your people are not like his people. For the simple fact that Ahab was following idolatry and Jehoshaphat was following the true God. So he misspoke there. There was, there was a lapse in his, his thinking for sure. And I think sometimes as, as believers, in order to try and get to the unbeliever, we often try and uh, be as as relatable as we can to them. And we can fall into the trap of falling into the sin with them as well and going down the wrong path. We need to be relatable. I understand that. We need to understand where these believers are coming from, these unbelievers are coming from, and we got to try and reach them with the gospel. But we can't fall into the trap of going down the wrong road with them. And we see Jehoshaphat is about to do that in following him into war. And in verse 4, it goes on to say, Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the, prophet, uh, gathered the prophets. All right, where was I? I lost my place. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramath Gilead, or shall I refrain? So they said, go, go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand." And Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Up to this point, we don't see Jehoshaphat seeking God on what he should do with Ahab and the request that uh, Ahab had with him to go to war with him. We don't see him seeking him at all in this. It, I don't even know if he even sought the Lord out in his son going to marry his daughter. It doesn't say it. But he, he, up to this point, he hasn't done that, but now he, I think he's finally coming to his senses, "Hmm, we're about to get into something pretty dangerous going to war with Ramath Gilead. Maybe I should ask if there's someone of the Lord we can seek. We need to seek the Lord on this." And when they did that, Ahab brought out these 400 prophets who were not prophets of God, prophets of their idolat, the idols that they worshiped there. But then Jehoshaphat had asked them, "Well, do you have one of the true God that we can seek out?" And we see Ahab, as we continue on, about to tell him about this particular guy. It says, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man by whom we may acquire of the Lord, but I hate him. He didn't like what this this prophet was telling him. (laughs) Every time he would come out, he would tell him something that wasn't good. He is uh, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such a thing. So we have all these prophets, these 400 prophets coming out, telling King Ahab, go to war. God is on your side. Don't worry about it. You're going to win. He's going to bring you the victory already. And we see Jehoshaphat kind of throwing up some caution flags here. Ah, These 400 prophets are not prophets of God. You know, he's he's using, using some discernment. I think God has given him this discernment. Hey, this is not the route that we want to go. And I think us as, as believers, we need to have that discernment. We need to pray for that discernment from God to be able to discern what is good and what is evil. And we need to be able to discern the truth from the false uh, prophets because trust me, there's plenty of false prophets out there selling you a, 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 a bill of lies. That's, that's what they're doing. So we need to be able to have that discernment. Um, and, I've, and I found that there's four ways that can help us in, 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 in gaining that discernment. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment. He's our helper, right? He's our counselor. He's the one who is supposed to help us to discern truth from a lie. And the Holy Spirit will guide and direct every believer seeking direction. Thus, there will be either confirmation or an uneasiness in your heart regarding a word of prophecy. Be very cautious when you have these people come around asking, oh, I have a prophecy from God. Seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the word. Discern the Spirit, whether it's truth or it's a lie. The Scripture also gives us discernment. Galatians 1.8 says, But even if we or angels from heaven preach another gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Paul is basically saying, if someone comes to preach something to you and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, throw it away. Because it's, it's, it's not the Word of God. It's not truth. It's, it's a lie. Number three, fruit gives us discernment. Jesus taught us in Matthew seven fifteen through 16, uh, which says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do, you, do man gather grapes from, uh, from thorn bushes or figs from thistle? We are to observe the fruitfulness of those who claim to speak on behalf of God those who claim to prophesy in God's name. Look at the fruit that they produce. Are they producing fruit that is, that is lovely and full of joy and full of love and full of peace? The fruits of the Spirit, are they producing that? or Are they producing deceitfulness? Are they producing harm and hurt to others? Are they only out for themselves? So look at the fruit of the individual. Number four, the body of Christ can give discernment. That is, there's people like Jehoshaphat here who, who discerned that what was going on was not to be a good thing. It was not going to be good. And they have gifts in discernment. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 10. So as the body of Christ, we can often help each other in discerning matters of truth and a lie. So those are four ways that, you can, that can help you with discerning. The Holy Spirit, uh, the Scripture, the fruit of the people discerning from their own fruit and also through the body of Christ, can help you in discerning truth a lie. Verse 7, as we go on, it says, uh, So the king of Israel, we just read about this, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may uh, inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. And we know we're talking about the prophet who is the true prophet of God, because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is uh, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such a thing. Then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Bring Micaiah the son of Imlah quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, uh, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, set each on his throne, and they sat at the threshing floor of the entrance of the gates of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. so we see the difference between these two between Ahab who's seeking uh falsehood and he wants he wants these prophets to tickle his ear and make him feel good and we see Jehoshaphat who's warning the truth of what's really going to happen when they go out to battle so you can see the the contrast between the two and those 400 prophets were all speaking in one accord they were all saying go to battle you're going to win king god is on your side but we're about to see starting in verse 13 that That's not what Micaiah is going to tell him. And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever my God says, whatever my God says, I will speak. So he's telling you whatever the true and living God says, that's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to tell you what God is saying. It says, then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramath Gilead? Or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hands. A little bit of sarcasm in that. That's not really what he, was, he, will, he wants to say. That's really not what God is telling them. And in verse 15 he says, So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you are telling me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? The so king Ahab knew that, hey, you, 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 there's no way you're telling me the truth. There's no way you're agreeing with these 400 other prophets, you never agree with them. I hate you for that simple fact that you never tell me what I really want to hear. You're going to tell me the truth, but that's not what I want to hear. And so you, you can sense he's not sure. Are you really telling me the truth, or is, or is this something that you're just kind of, you're kind of playing with me right now? And we know that's obviously that's what he's doing. In verse 16 it goes on to say, it says, Then he said, I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep, that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And here he goes complaining about the prophecy. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up, that he may fall at Ramaph Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. The, that then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and, and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. So God is allowing this spirit to go out and put a lie in the mouth of these prophets. And remember in Job, whenever uh, Satan came to, to God and asked him, hey, what about your servant Job? And the Lord allowed these things to happen to job is something similar to that here where he is using this to to uh, to get his will to come through ahab was going to die he wasn't going to be victorious and he was going to have 400 lying prophets tell him that it was okay to go into battle even though he wasn't going to come out victorious and the lord allowed this to happen But Ahab's heart was so bent on sinning anyway, he wasn't going to change and come towards the Lord, and the Lord knew that. And the Lord was going to make sure that his will was going to take place. Verse 23, it says, Then Zedekiah the son of Chenaah went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? So I think here Zedekiah is, is a little upset with the prophecy that Micaiah is given to, uh, to, uh, to Ahab. He's not too happy about that because he knows that him, along with those other 400, are lying. And we know that Micaiah is the one who is actually telling the truth in this, in this instance. Verse 24 says, And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide. Then the king of Israel said to Micaiah, And return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. But Micaiah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, take heed, all of you people. So we see Micaiah's reply was simple, that if you return healthy and well from this battle, then the prophecy I gave was not the truth. But he is, he is confident that his prophecy was the truth and that, and that Ahab was not going to return from this battle. In verse 28, it says, The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramath Gilead. So they're going to battle now. And you would think after Jehoshaphat, after seeing these false prophets, seeing this prophet of God come up and talk, and seeing all these things, that he would maybe change his mind in going into battle. Like he, he would kind of come to his senses that this, this is not right, this is not of God to do. But for some reason, he still still goes in there. And I think of us, we read our word, and we have the Holy Spirit within us, and the Holy Spirit talks to us and, and tells us, hey, we shouldn't be doing certain things, but how many times we often will do that thing. And we see Jehoshaphat in the same instance here, knowing He shouldn't go into battle with this king. He shouldn't be, you know, teamed up with him, but yet he's still going to go into this battle with them. Verse 29, it says, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now that sounds like Ahab's trying to set up Jehoshaphat for failure. You go set yourself up in a robe. You go look like the king of Israel. I'm going to go into battle, almost setting him up like a, to get killed right there. It says in verse 30, it says, Now the king of Syria commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. So now we have them wanting to find the king of Israel and, and, and take him out. So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore, they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, uh, crowd out, and the Lord helped them, and God diverted them from him. For so it was when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to his driver of his chariot, "Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded." The battle increased in the, uh, that day and the king of Israel propped himself up in a chariot facing the Syrians until evening and about the time of sunset, he died. So he's have Jehoshaphat dressed in all the robes of a king, a sitting duck. And the Syrians are coming after him. But what does he do? Cried out to the Lord and the Lord helped them. That's what we have to do in our time of need. In our time, when we're stressing and we have things that are coming down on us, we have to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord changed that all around. Then it says about a random bow. A soldier took a random bow and shot it, and it killed Ahab. That wasn't a random bow. That was guided by the hands of God. This will of God was going to take place. Ahab was going to go down. Jehoshaphat was going to live. Just remember, our lives are guided by God. Every step, every breath we take is guided by our God. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that we do have a Holy Spirit, Lord, that can help us to discern good and evil, Father God, Can, can make discernment in people, Father God. We thank you that we have a word, Lord, that teaches us your ways and how you would want us to conduct our lives. And we just thank you, Lord, that your Son came down to die for us, Lord, so we can partake in all of that, Father God. What a privilege it is, Father. We thank you for those who are here tonight. We ask for your blessings over them. Safe travels home in this weather, Lord. And we just give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.